Have you ever wondered what makes bodies tick? Are you creating the sexual reality you desire and require? Would you like to know more about what else is possible with bodies? What if your fantasies are not as strange as you thought they were? What if you could learn to be kinder to your body and kinder to others' bodies? Would you like to create confidence in the bedroom and beyond? How has your sex life, or lack of it, affected other areas of your life? Have you lost your mojo and wondered where to find it? Everyone has the potency to be a sexual superhero. Get ready to listen, sense, and play with the sexualness that is you. Now, here is the host of The Pleasure Zone, Body Whisperer, Melitza Yelenich. Hello, everyone. Welcome to The Pleasure Zone. I am so thrilled to have all of you on tonight with us. And you know what? We're just going to have a really crazy awesome show because that's what we do here on The Pleasure Zone because we can. So I don't know if you guys are aware of this or if you're not aware of it and whatever. We are having a guest on tonight called J.P. Sears. And I am so thrilled to have him on. Um, I don't know if any of you guys have ever seen me actually get like nervous ever and excited like to the point where my body is like, ah. Um, that's what's going on, just so you guys are aware. So if you guys are feeling excited and nervous, you might be feeling my excited and nervous, I might be feeling your excited and nervous, because it's all exciting, it's very exciting. I'm so used to like, you know, I've I've actually rarely interviewed people that I don't know really well, so this is very fun for me to interview J.P. Sears, who I only know really from YouTube, and uh, occasional emails back and forth about being on this show. So... Um, for those of you who, who don't know JP, or if you do know him, you might have seen him on YouTube and you might think, oh, he's that crazy wacky character guy who does all those like fabulously funny, uh, comedic videos about spirituality that also have like a super great, uh, information in them as well. And you might know him from that, but what you might not know is that he's actually also super talented as a personal empowerment coach. Yeah, he actually does stuff that can change people's lives and worlds. So how lucky are we to have him on contributing to everybody and everything in the entire universe listening tonight? So I want to welcome you, JP, with all my heart. I'm so glad to have you on tonight. Well, I'm really looking forward to hearing about this JP Sears guy you're talking about. He sounds amazing. Right. Uh, So I'm sure he's very pleased to uh, be on with you tonight. Awesome. I also hear this show is sponsored by his beautiful blue eyes, so I'm very excited about that. It, yeah, it's, I think his beautiful blue eyes are happy to contribute to the livelihood of the show. And uh, speaking of him, apparently in the third person, it feels pretty good, actually. <laughs> I, I appreciate you having me on. I appreciate your nerves, your excitement. And I think that actually the intro, just listening to the intro of this show, already re-initiated a redistribution of blood flow in my body. So I'm Awesome. I'm very intrigued <laughs> with what's happening right now. Uh, I really love that because I do I do know that I have these like crazy capacities sometimes with words that can redirect the blood flow to different parts of the bodies. And I like to think that's one of my like superhero talents that I've got. So awesome. I'm so glad it's working on you. I feel honored. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Ab- I, the pleasure is mutual. <laughs> so... It's very. Like, I personally love talking about bodies, sex, and fun. It's you know, call me crazy. I'm on this planet. I've got this body that loves to be touched. Um, so, what is it about this show? When I said, "Hey, JP, got this crazy idea. I'd love to have you on my The Pleasure Zone show." What made you go, "Hey, that sounds like a fabulous idea"? 
yeah, my assistant made me made me do it. I refused, and she said, "No, JP, you should go on." So aside <laughs> from that, I'm couldn't, of course. You know, I I'm actually intrigued with the inherent shame that uh, lots of us, uh, at least maybe at the very least, all uh, all of us have a part that has some degree of shame about this incredibly natural thing called our sexuality, and and pleasure in sexuality, and in pleasure in touch and sensations that may or may not be uh, directly labeled sexuality. So uh, I personally think it's an area of my life that one, uh, I've worked on a lot. And two, I probably have miles and miles uh, yet to go on my journey. And it's something that I see it affects a lot of people's lives, typically uh, in ways of constriction when uh, it's kind of like this inherent shame and lack of permission to be a sexual being is kind of imposed upon oneself. Yeah, shame is the big one. We've we have talked about that a lot on this show before. Um I I experienced that a lot in my life and I you know, on occasion still that shows up. So for me, like sex is a great adventure of always learning and exploring and mm-hmm. um like to consider myself a great student of sexuality, sex and sexual energy and all things related to the body. So I'm I'm glad that um your intrigue about uh even how we could possibly have shame about something that could be so natural that, you know, animals do it. Um, yeah. you know, even though plants are doing asexual reproduction, you know, plants are doing it. So what is it what is it um that you're aware of that might be one of the things that starts to create that shame for people that starts the contraction and the constriction in their lives like what are some things you have come across either in your life or um with your coaching with people yeah you know starting from sort of the big picture generalities uh, i think shame that comes from active sources and also passive sources as well and it, you know the the active shame about sexuality can be easier to identify you know we maybe experienced an older sibling or someone making fun of us when we were naked and we start to own shame about that or we might overhear adults use you know, demeaning language oh, oh look at that slut you said in a condescending way and so we start to experience, oh my gosh, there's uh, uh, this is bad stuff. And then depending on what kind of uh, religious experience we may or may not have. Uh, I know I was raised pretend Catholic. Uh, my family pretended <laughs> to be Catholic when my grandparents were around. But nonetheless, I was still uh, swimming in a lot of the Catholic beliefs where it, there was this very confusing active narrative about sex like it's a bad thing and it's like what the hell would god make us that way um uh so nonetheless like active shame there's a lot of it there and of course like traumas and wounding through sexual violations is a huge thing and then i think the more elusive part is passive shame uh along with the catholic part sex in my childhood was never talked about and the fact that it was never talked about made it a secretive thing, which is very, very, very passively shaming, very invalidating uh, about sexuality. And of course, that meant as I was, uh, you know, a, a early teenager, growing into more awareness of my sexual nature as my 
hormones change and I start to have desires and arousals and like things I don't understand, but I, I just couldn't talk about it. Or at least I didn't allow myself because I stayed loyal to the uh, passive narrative in my family of the secret around sexuality. It's something we don't talk about. So um, I, I think that's another big part in the the kind of the game of shame around sexuality. There is quite a game of shame for sure. I've I've uh, watched that with a lot of um, you know clients that come to me and just people in general. Just some, I love observing people in life, and um, shame is definitely one of those things that can stop us from receiving more in uh, in our lives in general, and most definitely uh, with our sexuality and our bodies. And so, what are some things that you're aware of that can actually allow people to start to get out of that either passive or active shame? Yeah, you know, I think the the first part that's probably the easiest and simplest and probably accordingly uh, one of the most powerful is we've got to talk about sexuality. And I think that's one of the great services you give to people uh, you're an active voice about sexuality, and people are able to become a part of the conversation through listening. So, okay, this thing that's very rarely talked about, and hell, when it is talked about, typically in our society, it's talked about in a very dysfunctional way. You know, ob- objectification and you you getting a sense of value through shame uh, through sex. So. Your your voice of talking about it, I think, models uh, what we can adopt into our life, not only being a part of this show, but creating non-shaming conversations around sexuality with our friends, our romantic partner or partners, uh, and I think having a curious attitude about sex, uh, almost like anything else, but an attitude to explore places that are unfamiliar to us, to walk into the mystery of it. You know, mysteries are inherently shaming. We don't know what we're going to experience. You might be with a partner who says, ah, oh, let's do this. And he's like, oh, I've never tried that. But if we can, if we can give ourselves permission to be curious, I think it makes exploring the unknown of sex an okay thing uh, rather than just shaming that which we don't know and that which we do know about sex. And then also I would legitimately say that I've been helped, and I'm not going to play the I'm perfect card, <laughs> far from it. Wait I've a minute, I am. Uh, that's right, that, you, you've got that card, there's only one of those. <laughs> Thank in the God, box. one of us on the planet does. <laughs> yeah, I just, our next conversation, I want that card. Awesome. Um, but I, I personally have been helped a lot working with uh my coach, as well as you know, another dream therapist that I work with in exploring the parts of my sexuality and places where I learn to uh, constrict around it and disconnect from my sexuality, uh, having an outside perspective has been very helpful to me to find the specific nuances in JP's life, the wounding pain uh, that I specifically need to look at. Um, and process feelings around. That, I, I'm totally for having people be um, 
the contribution to your healing. So I'm a big fan of that. I'm a big fan of um, having conversations with professionals and friends. So for those of you out there who are like really desiring having those conversations, um, you know, Googling experts, if you like, to do that. Or, you know, we have we do have a coach online with us, this guy called J.P. Sears. I know it's crazy. If you don't know him, you can just talk to his beautiful hair and his beautiful blue eyes because then mm. you might actually find that you'll get information from that that can actually start to unlock you maybe so that you can receive more um, and not have that shame stuff going on in your life. I do know shame's a huge thing, especially my clients will talk about that with me a lot, but things that they're ashamed of, even if it's fantasies that they have, and they're like, but I've never sure. told anybody I want to do this. I'm like, cool. How fun is that? How much fun can you have with that? I think from from a, a standpoint of a, a coach or a therapist, also having like no point of view of the person and not shaming mm. them back. When you have somebody coming to you with vulnerable information and, and uh, you know, if you're like, well, you're so wrong about that, you know, that could really be devastating, right? So being sure. um massive space for people to just allow them to uh, be able to be graceful with their healing is a real kindness that we can be for each other on the planet, for sure. So, yeah, I get yeah, that I, from you, which is something I've observed with you, even with your sincere videos, is there's this kindness that you be um, in this space that you be that has people uh, choose to watch you, choose to listen to you, the vulnerability that you be, um, the wisdom that you impart. So I get, you know, People would, people could easily show up and want to talk to you about. Oh my God, I have this fantasy, and I, I think I messed up because of it, you know. Um, and we often like go right to, I must be messed up because I have this shame. And what if we're not? What if it's something completely different? Yeah, yeah, I agree. And I, I if I can pretend like this is my damn show and want me to take control, I'd love like yeah. to hear it in the. Uh, by the way, a little bit of time before we got to go to break. Let me really take this. <laughs> I awesome. I would love to hear uh, a little bit about what's helped you be more accepting of your sexuality in your life, if I'm allowed to ask. Yeah, absolutely. So there's been a lot of things, but I've done a lot of different uh, kinds of healing probably um, over the last 20 something years, I like, graduated university and I had like a lot of points of view that I hated myself and I hated my body and I was really messed up. So I did everything I could do to, um, reinforce how messed up I was. Mm -hmm. So I'd go and I would seek out therapists that would confirm for me that I was like legitimately messed up. <laughs> and then, then after actually choosing to not be so messed up, I started to find, um, therapists that would actually allow me to be more of me um and i did have some experiences in my life like i had uh my you know at some point in my life my body had been violated at some point in my life my body had had a lot of trauma from different things so um what what i do get now is that i do have an amazing capacity with sex and with all kinds of things energetically connected to sex so that i do i'm aware of that um and it's taken me a lot of um, looking at my stuff and looking at like things like shame because I had a lot of shame coming into it when I was younger and I had a lot of other um, points of view. I don't know if they were all religious, but I do know that a lot of them were like um, 
kind of things that I bought from my family. Uh, you know, like, you shouldn't run naked on the beach and jump in the water. That's very sexual. But I was like seven and enjoying my body, you know. So w- there was a lot of that kind of stuff that um, had me become really kind of twist my sexual energy. So it was kind of like became almost aggressive and pervert. Like, I would call it perverted, but not really. But I was like aggressive and almost like... um angry and then I started to shift that where it's it's now very different for me where there's more of a willingness to be vulnerable with people and that's really for me been like a daily practice like waking up choosing to be vulnerable with myself with my body uh even for example like with you for me that was like wow I wrote you a letter and that was like a vulnerability for me to like oh, okay, am I willing to receive a rejection? And I was, and it was cool that you said yes. And I was like, oh, my God, he said yes. <laughs> so um, a lot of, for me, vulnerability has to do with the willingness to be rejected. Not that you're going to be, but just even being willing to be can also open up a lot and not make it a big deal. I that love me a lot. that. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. I love every drip of that, and I also love the you know, the, the take home in a way, ultra summarization of vulnerability, um, Mm -hmm. that, that says a lot. Yeah. It's been, it's, it's fun. It's a fun journey that literally daily, it's like, okay, so if I actually choose to be vulnerable today and, you know, take all my crap off of me and like all my baggage that I could be carrying around, but if I chose not to, like, what would my life show up like and be like? And, um, I'm continually finding that life is way more fun when I choose that than when I'm walking around um, and, and you know, putting my walls up to people or ignoring the world or ignoring the beauty around me. So, yeah, it's been fun. <laughs> it's one of my yeah, most fun for, for me, the, the word vulnerability implies I am open for connection. And, you know, of course, that can be uh, emotionally, mentally, spiritually, physically, and, you know, a word that in, I think uh, encapsulates all of those aspects of our being is sexually. I think sexuality at a, its fundamental core is about creating a connection, whether it's with a person or a source greater than ourself, or maybe how can you separate the two is an interesting question. Mm-hmm. But I love the message of vulnerability and your, your, realness around it's an everyday uh, experience and everyday choice and practice it's kind of like that we can't just achieve vulnerability one day okay we've reached that destination now I don't have to be present with my vulnerability anymore it's like not nah, every damn That's day right. <laughs> we we have the choice I'll be open and vulnerable or not and hopefully we can also forgive ourselves the day we choose days we choose or not and also take a look at, well, what's got me feeling unsafe, where it's, uh, I don't deem it safe enough for me to be vulnerable. Yeah. Sometimes we're really, really aware, right? So we could be going through this um, thing where we're choosing not to be vulnerable. And in fact, we might be aware that the person that we're with may be a rapist and a murderer, and perhaps just choosing to not be totally vulnerable with him is a really wise choice, right? Like, we might be really more wise than we think we are. (laughs) I agree. I think wisdom always trumps thinking, so I I would 
my my thinking is that you're probably right. We probably are wiser than we think we are. Yeah, because we're we're really sometimes really really cute, but we always kind of don't always act as smart as we are. It's, we're funny like that. But um, I could like literally get rid of all the breaks today, but I understand that it's like a thing that I'm supposed to do. So I'm gonna take mm. us to break. <laughs> when we come back, we're gonna continue this conversation about sex and sexuality and all things fun and I do get there's a load of you online that would love to ask questions and would love to talk we'll start taking some of you um, after the next break so when we go to break we're all going to be hush hush quiet and listen to the fabulous ads that we've got coming right up many of us have created a lot of limitations around sex and what we are willing to choose Would you be willing to explore what has already been introduced as sexual practices on this planet? What else is possible beyond what we have already seen, heard, or thought of? What if now is the time for a totally different sexual revolution? Taking the taboo out of all aspects of sex, sexuality, and copulation. By tuning into The Pleasure Zone radio show with body whisperer Melitza Yelenich. You'll receive tools, inspiration, and a foundation to allow yourself to receive more in your sex life and quite possibly other areas of your life as well. Listen for The Pleasure Zone with Melitza every Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 7 p.m. Central Time, 6 p.m. Mountain Time, and 5 p.m. Pacific Time on A2Zen.fm. What if you really do change molecules by your interaction with them? What if the change you've been looking for is right before your eyes? What if the uncomfortableness that comes with difference could be fun? What if the closed-minded people of the world no longer determined our world? What if gratitude trumps judgment every time? What if your kindness healed the world? What if the earth is asking for your help? And what if you had the resources to give it? This is your invitation to step into something that Einstein, Marie Curie, Picasso, Da Vinci, Shakespeare, Aristotle all knew to be true. Hi, my name is Dane here. Thirteen years ago, I started to truly ask questions. Actually, I started to be the question, and everything changed for me. What if there are no dumb questions, or any question too large? What if you being you are the gift and the change this world requires? Is now the time? For more questions to create a change in your world, sign up for a free video series at beingyouclass.com. My gift to you, beingyouclass.com. This is The Pleasure Zone with body whisperer Melitza Yelenich. To participate in the program today, please call us in the U.S. Call 815-880-8255-TALK or Canada 613-800-8736 or you can Skype us at a2zen.fm. You can also make the choice to ask for comment by email by sending to Melitza at melitzayelenich.com. Now back to the program. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to The Pleasure Zone. I'm your host, Milica Jelanić, and today my wickety-whack guest is J.P. Sears. How lucky are we to be having this conversation tonight? Sometimes I flip into accents, and it's just one of those things. So, welcome back. We are having this great conversation about sex and sexuality. If you missed the first half, it was about you know, shame and kind of moving through that. And um, I do get we have a lot of questions on here. And one of the questions was so far back in the chat that it's popped right out of my awareness other than it was like, um, 
sort of to do with this conversation, sort of not. I think people are just so excited to be able to have uh, questions with you, JP, that they don't mm. realize. For those of you who don't know, JP just recently started a really cool live show on Facebook. I just saw that with Jator. That was great. Yes. Yeah, so that was really cool. And I'm sure there's going to be more of those fun shows because you can ask him. And he does live shows on um, Google, too, for those of you who don't know that, too, for those of you who would like to ask him questions. And he's also so magical. He does one-on-one sessions for you people who didn't know that. You can find him on Awaken with JP. That's correct, right? Awakenwithjp.com. I'm just taking this off the top of my head. As far as I know, that's correct. So so far today, right? You haven't changed it in the last 24. We're good. Okay, cool. So yeah. we've got one of our questions. I know all of you guys are like really excited to hear uh, JP do his uh, JP character. Um, he doesn't, I don't think. Do you have your bandana on tonight, JP? I, I don't have it on. No, it, oh, okay. it, had, it had other plans. Okay, it's doing its own thing. It has a personality of its own, and it is traveling off somewhere. Awesome. you got to love when your stuff has a mind of its own and does its own thing. There's a lot of people online in the chat that are very open to connection with you, which is great. You know, I know that they're alluding to other things. And how lucky are you that you've got, like, women around the world that are like, wow, JP, I want to eat that man up. Kind of that would be lucky with a capital L as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> Pretty sweet. So I'm actually really curious about what is it like for, you know, you, you've you had your life where you've been a coach, you've been like a teacher at a school, and um, I was watching an interview that you did um, with a fellow, and I can't remember his name right now, but it was about like marketing on um, YouTube, and he had encouraged you to do some Facebook stuff, and you were like, I don't know if I want to do that, and you kind of listened oh, to yeah. him, and you got the yeah. So that was a great interview, and and then uh, where was I going with that? Um, I was going somewhere, um, and then I lost track, and I was like watching the video in my head, and now I'm going to be grounded again. So, um. <laughs> one of the things um, that I wondered about is like when you first started out, you know, you had some great viewership, in my opinion. Like you had a few thousand people watching you. Now you're like, uh, you got several million. And what has that created? Like, do you get? I mean, I have a, I have this radio station show, and it's, um, you know, I don't get the viewership you get, but I get some interesting letters, and I get some really interesting. Um, pictures, shall we say, almost daily Mm -hmm. through social media. So I'm wondering, does that stuff show up for you because of your popularity? Like, do you get random interesting things like love letters from women, people wanting to have your babies? Like, what's going on with that kind of stuff since you've become more uh, well-known? Yeah, you know, what's going on with that kind of stuff is basically, yep, it happens. And I think, uh, you know, while that's it's ego inflating, it's gratifying to my ego. But the reality as I see it, and I think this is a little bit of a grounding sanity check, is I don't think people are at all uh uh in you know, those kind of infatuation notes. They're not infatuated with me. They're infatuated with who they think I am or who they want me to be, which I think at the heart of it is really a projection of their own self. Um, so, you know, to me, it's important to realize, like, 
that they're not obsessed with me. Uh, as magnificent as they think I am, I am not that. Uh, I'm me. And, and to me, that's important because I think if one was to try to, uh, you know, kind of, okay, let me, let me just jump on the treadmill of trying to engage with people, I, it would be incredibly shallow because in the end, uh, they're, they're, in my opinion, really trying to find a connection with the fantasy of who they think I am. So, yeah, to me, that's a little bit of a sanity check that's uh, important because the last thing I want to do is lose my sense of self and start to believe that who I am is who other people think I am. You know, it's, everybody has their opinion about who we are, and it's important that they do, and it's part of their creative process. And me having a sense of self uh, is part of my creative process. And honestly, sometimes that's a little bit of a, a challenge uh, to stay grounded in my sense of self and not m- let myself get uh, you know, kind of caught up in the, you know, what might be hype or praise or, um, you know, overt, you know, romantic interest. For sure. No, they try not to it's be always, too it's always fun to hear, that's for sure. That's cool. Like some yeah, fan mail is always fun. So you just try to not be too cocky, I guess, right? <laughs> I like to the word for sure. So I uh I also have a few questions about um and I've watched some of your videos on relationships too that I thought were very some of your most sincere videos on relationships and you had some really um I really like some of your information that you have out there. Um, again, I really encourage you guys, if you've only ever seen JP's stuff and you've only ever seen his com- comedic stuff, I really encourage you to, if it's fun for you and you like to like hear some insights that he's got on other things, he has amazing insights on other stuff as well. He's really funny and he has really sincere information too. So I'd like to like just encourage you guys to know there's more than just JP with the bandana on, even though that JP is really cool too. So, mm. well, just going to keep encouraging people to check that out. Yeah, well, I appreciate your kind words about the sincere videos I have out too. Yeah, I think a lot of times what you know people will, like you were saying, you know, the infatuation with a certain type of um, characteristic. So that is something. I mean, it's not something that just uh, maybe shows up in your life. I know that's going to show up in lots of people's lives you could for example um you might have somebody that's infatuated with you um and uh you know it it's maybe on more of a personal or smaller level where you don't have maybe like you know 40 million adoring fans that are like constantly pulling your energy but you might have um you know, one person who has developed either an infatuation, an obsession or something with you. Um, So I really like your advice about like, you know, kind of like being grounded, really knowing who you are without buying a lot of what their opinion of you is. And we will, we're amazing beings. We will morph into whatever people project at us because we can. And so really like kind of, acknowledging like wait a minute that's actually not me right now okay so what if i was going to be me what would that be like um just really starting to explore that and that curiosity can actually get you to be more of you as well rather than um 
going, oh, my God, they think I'm great. That means I am great. And I'm great because they said I said this. So I'm going to say this a million times because then they're going to think I'm super awesome. <laughs> it's so that we'll do that, right? Because we just, oh, somebody likes me. and becomes super significant. So, um, you know, you can have relationships that are quality relationships. And at the same time, they don't have to have that kind of – in. Um, intensity to them that's like an obsession so um, what are you aware of with that that could allow people to have a relationship where there isn't maybe that um, neediness or um, you're my you know you're my one and only love like the kind of thing that you yeah the Disney kind of character stuff yeah you know in my opinion, the the way to not get lost in infatuation in a relationship is to allow it to be there with healthy limits and boundaries. In fact, I think my opinion is infatuation is a very functional part of the beginning of a relationship. Keyword, beginning. You know, and as you, you so elegantly um uh, mention about, you know, it's kind of the fairy tale deal where, yes, the other person probably thinks we can do no wrong and we're wonderful, but it's a two-way street, too, in a relationship where we think this other person is just amazing and somehow we magically feel complete being with them. And in reality, I think we're getting incredibly intimate with who we want that person to be. And in for that infatuation phase, we can fool ourselves into believing that who we want them to be is actually who they are. So that infatuation phase, I think, is a necessary part of creating a functional attachment, not over-attachment or obsession like you mentioned, but functional attachment, and for God's sakes, it is fun. Like, the, I mean, the euphoria, the all the neurotransmitter high, you know, amazing sex. Man, I would not want to curse anybody by taking away that part of the relationship. However, everything has its shelf life. It too shall pass. I think where where a relationship starts to drown is when we try to hold on to what was. If that if the infatuation phase expires, but we're still trying to juice it. Mm, it's not that nourishing for the relationship. And in my opinion, it just breeds resentment where we get resentful at the other person. How how come you're not who you were? You're not who I want you to be. And then we start punishing ourselves because we're not enough to make the other person into who we want them to be. And damn it, the first three months of the relationship, they were exactly who we wanted them to be, according to our delusional experience of them. And then uh, same thing, you know, how come I'm not Mr. Perfect for you? You know, what am I doing wrong and what's wrong with you? Why can't you accept me the way I am? So that kind of resentment and conflict starts in a relationship if we're not allowing ourselves to grieve the loss of a very beautiful temporary life form called the infatuation phase. And I think one of the reasons why the infatuation phase uh, you know, it has its season. The leaves are beautiful, they're green, they're lively, and then they turn brown and they fall. One of the reasons is because that gives rise to greater life, in my opinion, which is intimacy, not just infatuation. 
And I think intimacy, you know, into me, I see. That's when I'm seeing mm-hmm. deeper into me based on how I experience you, my partner. And my partner has the same opportunity. And as I experience myself to a deeper degree, both those things I love about myself and those things that I'm a little bit in conflict or uh, violent conflict about myself, uh, it means we're also getting in touch with who the other person is. We've had to grieve the loss of who we thought they were in the infatuation phase so that we can make space for the beautiful, intimate discovery of learning more about who they really are. Uh, and I think that's a that's a beautiful phase. It's, I think, even more beautiful, even deeper, richer, and has much more of a, a spiritual connection to it. And the question would be, why the hell would we ever do that? if we didn't get attached to a person in the infatuation phase. So I think attachment has functionality to it. Otherwise, we just leave the person, the first sign of conflict, the first sign something got tough. And of course, I think where the the growth and the discoveries and the real intimacy happens is when there is friction. You know, the samurai sword isn't going to get sharpened if there's no friction. So thank God we're attached to each other to a degree from the infatuation phase so that we're able to stay with the conflict so that we can experience this thing called intimacy. And we can also experience, which I think also leads us to experiencing the whole that the two pieces of uh, us, the two parts of us make when we're together. So uh, nonetheless, at this point, I've lost sight of what the hell the, the question or the thought was. But, you know, that's a little bit of my delusional opinion about infatuation and relationships that we all, all have um, experiences with. Absolutely, yeah. I think probably I worded the question not in the way that I meant to. I think, yeah, and it was great because you completely spoke to what I was really trying to say. So thank you for reading my brain. That was very helpful. Um, It was like, I, I am, yeah, I am aware that the infatuation can be a huge contribution to creating relationships. Um, You know, the same way, like being infatuated with a business, say like you, you've tried out, um, something or rather and you're like oh my god i love this product and i want to sell it it's that initial infatuation that initiates you to actually choose it to continue to choose it to then create with it to then maintain it right and i think a lot of people like you were saying like a lot of people do that thing with infatuation where it's like well the infatuation's over and maybe like that next that next part of the relationship they haven't done the grieving so much so then they're kind of like oh i don't know i I think i'm just going to be done because i just like the high of infatuation what if we could actually take that energy that we get during infatuation um and it's not going to be the same necessarily it's not going to be like you constantly have an infatuation like you were saying that kind of phase dies out but that energy is still present so what if we could Mm -hmm. like utilize that to actually allow it kind of like when you're growing a plant, right, and you've got a seed, that seed, even though it's turning into a plant like a flower, that seed is still contributing to the life of the flower. So it's like, what if that energy could still contribute to the growth of the relationship where, say, for example, like I was, I recently got married about a year ago, um, and I still refer, and my husband's actually listening to this episode, thank you, Mike, 
he hardly ever listens, by the way. So I just do a shout out. (laughs) So he'll be thrilled. (laughs) And uh, so it's really funny because, um, like, we could go to this place where it's like I no longer have, uh, like, a desire for you because our relationship's serious now and I'm married, so that equals no sex to most people. Um, But I do still like to refer to him as my lover which is for me a way to carry the energy of like mm. the infatuation through my relationship so that I can have a lover in my life, uh, even with a ring on my finger. Yeah. So, yeah, so I think, yeah, so we, it's not that it's the same, but it can be an energy that we don't completely destroy. How can we utilize it to actually create more? It'd be really fun to check mm. out. So, all you yeah, kids out there, we'll try it out. <laughs> Amen to your flower metaphor and, you know, the, the seed that grows into the flower. To me, that's like a more expansive expression of the same energy. So, yeah, I, I agree with you wholeheartedly, sister. I think that's actually a, a very important part to add into this. Like, okay, infatuation's done. The fun part's over. Like, no, it actually, it can get better if you allow it. Yeah. So how much fun have we actually been avoiding having? Because we go infatuations over, got to find the new infatuation, got to get the high, got to get all those hormones going again. What if we actually could expand that that by actually choosing to have more intimate uh, connections with people, to have those deeper relationships where, you know, walking away from them because you're not having the high, it's not maybe contributing to what you're looking for. You might be looking for something and you're totally avoiding it is what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. I, and I love your question. Like, what if we could do that? Uh, and yeah, what if we all have the capabilities, the power to do that? I think it's a beautiful question you pose. Mm-hmm. So I do know, and guys, I apologize. I'm monopolizing all this time with JP and all my questions um, and I will bring up a question. Okay, so there is a question that came on in the beginning of the program, and it's I'm going to uh, ask it in a way that may be related to this topic more. But the question is, what do? Um, where is that? Or Christine McIver, if you want to come online and speak with us, that would be cool too. So. Yeah, so the question was, what is the one thing that, uh, quote, spiritual people say that drives you crazy? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, And pretty much all I have to do is listen to my vocabulary. And uh, it's like, okay, yeah, uh, that's where I come up with it. Uh, Things I say drive a part of me crazy. So, you know, the I think the first thing that comes to my mind is competitive consciousness you know, comparing where we're at compared to other people. To me, that when it's done through a spiritual vocabulary of, you know, well, I'm further in my path or I'm at Maslow's fifth hierarchy of whatever the hell (laughs) self-actualization or, you know, I've achieved Kundalini rising and I did Kriya Yoga for this many years and I have this credential in I'm kind of throwing up in my mouth just saying uh talking about that what all that means to me and I realize other people have their experience but what that ex- the ex- my experience of those words means to me is 
separation division, separating ourselves from other people through our comparisons that we justify as spiritual lingo. So in other words, becoming more separate from ourselves uh, and other people while we believe uh, we're being spiritual. And to me, spirituality is all about oneness, connection, unity, communion. So if we use words that are of a communion uh, vocabulary, but the energy behind our words is that of division and separation, then mm-hmm. I think we unfortunately fool ourselves into drinking the poison while we tell ourselves it's our medicine. So yeah, that competitive consciousness uh, comparison kind of thing. And hell, here I am. I catch myself. I'm doing it right now. I'm comparing myself to people who can do the competitive comparisons. So it's like I'm implying like I'm better than that, which is in fact just so goofy because that's me creating the sense of separation that like I don't like other people doing, which basically means the reason why I don't like other people doing that and why it kind of gets me and is annoying is because it annoys me that I do that within myself. So, damn it, I think I just learned something about myself. I love that. Myself. That was so conscious of you. I think you've actually excelled my consciousness by just doing that. That was awesome. I, I, I actually do feel a little more conscious than you. I mean, yeah. You, you I, are. I, pre- I can tell. It's very, I feel, very humble. But I need to, it's awesome because I feel like I need to bow to you now, which is I could feel that as you were speaking that you rose and I and I then became subservient. So that was awesome. <laughs> Thank you for that. Maybe I was bowing for something else. My imagination is going wild on this show. My husband will appreciate that. He'll be like, good for you and your imagination. Awesome. <laughs> I'm sure he's thinking that right now and going, oh, my wife, what the heck? So. Yeah. And, Mike, I'll tell you, if you're not thinking that, you should be thinking that. You should be listening to what your lovely wife is telling you you should be thinking. And thank you, JP. And awesome. And what else could we get him to do for me? I have no idea. (laughs) (laughs) I like this. It's the manipulate Mike hour. That's awesome. He's so lucky. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah, and and that'll actually make him more elevated spiritually too, which will also make him more sexual, which will also make him into like a sexual guru. So then I will definitely be bowing more often, naturally. I would say naturally indeed. That's what you do with your sexual gurus. You bow down all the time. That's what you have to do. I'm trying to keep this as child-friendly as possible because I do think there are children listening as well. So, um, awesome. I, I'm like, there's chatting going on. People are going mental in the chat room. They're wanting to, you know, take JP on dates, take me on dates. I appreciate it all, guys. One day when I've got the time, I'll take you all on a date. It's awesome. Mm. I'll receive all of it. It's fun. <laughs> so, um, so when you were talking about the the separation, what are some things that um, you choose that will actually create communion for you? Yeah, for me, the most important thing is to be aware of my thinking, feeling, and behaviors that create separation. So becoming aware of them and honestly doing my best to accept them, not 
accept them with a hidden agenda of I'm going to accept those things so they change, damn it. So yeah, I think that's actually creating more separation. But honestly, doing my best to notice my delusional thinking, feeling, behaving that creates separation. And I think if the more I and we can accept that, the more paradoxically our thinking of separation creates the catalyst for unification within. Because if we can accept the propensities we have to create separation, then the separation has just led us full circle into union. Um, and, you know, everything like I, that I do the ultra spiritual videos on, it's somehow either very directly or indirectly in my life, but it's in my life nonetheless. And, you know, so when I've done parody videos on you know, meditation, eating practices, spiritual practices, I don't try to kick those practices out of my life. I want to keep them in my life because they're important to me. So, but if I can accept the components of them that, you know, my ego attaches to them, the superiority aspects that create the division, if I can accept those, then I think it actually is a bit of a catalyst to union and oneness uh, for me. So, you know, I think the Zen people say it well, uh, contentment comes from accepting things the way they are. And I think most aptly that's applied to ourselves contentment and I dare say, you know, a sense of more of a sense of oneness comes from accepting ourselves the way we are. And that's not meant to be a, a token of uh, passivity and indifference to ourselves of creating uh, meaningful change that our heart guides us to do. No, it's not meant to be a cop out, but it is also meant to not let change be a cop out that keeps us from the intimate act of accepting ourselves. And in this case, accepting the parts of ourselves that act out a, an energy of separation. Because I think if we don't accept that, then we're separating ourselves from the parts of us that create a sense of separation. And I think separation times two is more separation. <laughs> and I think separation with the addition of uh, unification to it is something completely different. That's an interesting way to put it, separation with unification. So I, I wonder, too, like separation, and you've mentioned in a different different ways how it's like separation is something we create, and it is. So if we keep on creating this, what if we just choose to stop creating it? You know, like what if we could really just go, okay, oh, that's look at me, I'm creating separation. Okay, so... I wonder, you know, how fun would it be to actually create communion here? And, mm -hmm. you know, what what would your body feel like? What would your, you know, would you feel more expansive as a being? Like, what would that create for you? And, like, what invitation is that going to be to the rest of the world to um, to also go, oh, wow, that energy, that's a curiosity. I'd like to have that. So what is that? Oh, that's communion. Oh, cool. I'll be part of that. So, yeah, so if we if we actually what if we acknowledge like where separation where we are creating it because maybe it's just something that is not um like is is separation required? Do we require it on this planet or is it not required? And if it's not required, can we just can we change it? Yeah. Yeah, and I and I love your curious question like when we identify like what if I stopped doing that? And some, you know, a point of 
consideration, which is probably me just getting in my head uh, into ultra theoretical land, uh, a point of consideration is uh, being curious, what is my why behind potentially stopping it? You know, and I find my why can be very different at different times when I'm looking at, you know, suspending a behavior pattern of thinking. Uh, sometimes my why is essentially out of rejection of self. Like I find this part of me so unacceptable that I'm going to stop doing this. And then I think another angle is I'm going to stop doing this out of a sense of I, I'm accepting this part of me and then I'm choosing to stop doing it. Or the first angle, am I rejecting this part of me? Therefore, I'm going to stop doing it. Um, and I think nobody knows our answer other than us. And even yeah. uh, the idea of us knowing our answer with a sense of certainty, that's a little bit goofy. Uh, yeah, but I think we can have it for sure. And I think it can have a sense of curiosity. And that's a beautiful thing. So um, we're coming to the end of the show, which flew by like in a half a second for me. So thank you for warping time because that's a really cool, fun thing to choose. Um, and time. <laughs> so um, I want to just let everybody know you've been listening to J.P. Sears and me on The Pleasure Zone. And for those of you who um, are not familiar with J.P. and this is your very first intro to him, how lucky are you guys? And would, if you'd like to know more about him, check him out on awakenwithjp.com. You can even like book private sessions with him if you like. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. But I don't know what those cost. But I'm just plugging stuff that's not even real, JP. Like I'm just offering. I'm going to pimp you out because that's what I. It's kind of like my second job. <laughs> so, so I don't know what that costs people, but I don't even know if he's offering it. That's what I'm saying. But check out his website, and you can also check him out on YouTube, um, Awaken with JP on YouTube. And he's also on Facebook and Instagram. If you want to get, like, super great yoga shots, you know, you can check out his video on how to take great yoga shots. But you can also check out his great yoga shots on Instagram. So, and if you don't know where to find any of that, it's all Awaken with JP. So I'm so grateful that you came on the show today. And for those of you looking for me, you can find me on my website at www, because that's how they start, melitzajelenic.com. So, JP, final 15 seconds is yours. Ten. Melissa, I love you, sister, and I appreciate the living hell out of you having me on your wonderful offering to the world. I think you're an absolute delight, and I appreciate the heck out of you. Thank you so much. Have a great week, guys. Thank you for choosing to listen to The Pleasure Zone. Melissa Yelenich will return next Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 7 p.m. Central, 6 p.m. Mountain, and 5 p.m. Pacific on A2Zen.fm. We hope you'll join us. Until then, have the best week of your life by choosing to be turned on and tuned in to your body.